смотрят нас на экранах, утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Аминь. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарим Тебя за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте, которое чертила десница Твоя для поклонения Твоему святому имени. И ныне позволь наследие Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Во имя Иисуса Христа да будут прокляты на этом месте, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, фобии, косы, разрушения, депрессии, все это да отступит от шатров святого наследия Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Мы благодарим Тебя, что это служение представлено в Твои божественные руки. И мы молим Тебя, продолжай вести Его рукой сильной и превознесенной. Великий Бог, Отец Сын, Дух Святой. Аминь. Будьте благословенны. The book of Matthew 5.45-48 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. <clears throat> Call to perfection. This promised commandment written in the book of the Gospel of Matthew and presented to us in a series of sermons of Apostle Arkady is the inheritance of saints of all times and it is addressed this commandment by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the authority of the person whom God has sent over themselves do not have any place in this commandment and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. We stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man demonstrated in the ability to clothe our essence into the holy and the selective love of God. <clears throat> As it is written, Colossians 3, 14, 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. According to the given place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God, the righteousness of God within our heart, is only possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into the selective love of God. The character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unchanging components. <clears throat> we can find them in Second Peter 1, 2-8. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. These are seven qualities and characteristics of God Himself, as well as seven uh, steps. And as we rise upon these steps, we don't just come near to God, but coming near to God, we also become more like Him. As the Christian faith is, you need to become more and more in the likeness of God, the closer and closer you get to Him. 
each of the seven qualities of the fruit of virtue contain the characteristics of the rest of the qualities as they flow one from the other, complete one the other, empower one the other, and confirm the truth of one the other. The given qualities are the moral perfection and example that is inherent to the essence of God that is given to us by Christ with which we are called to become rich. To enter into the inheritance of the given qualities is only possible if we receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life and obey our faith to God's faith. By inheriting these great and precious promises, we become a partaker of God's divine nature. The selective love of God that is demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and is not able to have anything in common with the nature of tolerant human love that is filled with egoism, is with blemish, greedy, and is not constant. And unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the selective love of God is different in that it has the burning zeal of God and his absolute knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used in the blemished, greedy, and egotistical goals of man. Due to this fact, it is specifically the power of the selective love of God in the format of seven unchanging qualities that is called to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and enthrone the resurrection of Christ in its place within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. And so we have four questions, and we continue to study the fourth. Uh, we're studying brotherly love and identifying it, the purpose, the condition, and the <clears throat> the identification, the purpose, condition, and I've been studying the sign of identifying it within ourselves. By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. A very interesting uh, sign that we have been studying on Friday and we will try to finish today. The next sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God which reveals itself in brotherly love is by the truth that shall spring out of the earth and righteousness that shall look down from heaven upon the truth that is springing out of the earth. Psalm 85, 10 through 13. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. In the given place we see presented the ability of David to draw God's mercy upon himself by collaborating with the truth that is grown in his heart into the fruits of righteousness. The word mercy is identified in scripture in the qualities of the grace of God. Four vessels of mercy. Mercy is restoration, support or provision, preparation, care, commitment, faithfulness, loyalty, kindness, leniency or indulgence. This is the word mercy that is for the holy person that will be able to determine or find within the heart God's truth. This is a heart that is freed from dead works where the teaching of Christ is put there and the seed of the righteousness of God 
is planted there and is grown then into fruits of righteousness. And so such a person is a vessel of mercy. Because of this, the word mercy in scripture is broad, both in definition as well as in application. According to such definition, mercy is called to take part in identifying and regulating the norms of a legitimate relationship that needs to be formed first between man and God, between man and other men, and between man and all of the world. Additionally, the presence of the mercy of God in one aspect of our life does not in any way guarantee that it is automatically present in other aspects of our life. Just as when you conquer one city in the land of Canaan, this does not mean that you have now conquered the entire plot of land. Therefore, according to Scripture, for the mercy of God to be present, each aspect of our life needs to satisfy the demands of truth grown into the fruits of righteousness, upon which the mercy of God can then look down within the power of the life of God. Every aspect of the Canaanite land, every aspect of our soul needs to correspond to the truth. The truth needs to enter into those aspects, areas that are in need of healing and mercy. We are in need of mercy. And so we can break through into those areas that have not yet been, uh, where the fruit of righteousness has not yet grown. And we will remember that it is us that are responsible for creating an atmosphere of truth in each individual aspect of our essence that comes from the grown by us fruit of righteousness that would be able to draw the favor of God in His mercy upon us. Therefore, it is specifically the choice of a man and following that choice decisions and actions that will determine whether this person becomes a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy. As it is written, Romans 9, 22 through 23. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had pr- prepared beforehand for glory? Considering the sovereign relationship of man and God forming an atmosphere of truth within the heart, grown by us into the fruits of righteousness that would be able to draw upon itself the mercy of God is the mutual and everyday work of God and man. Relevant to such collaboration of man with God, it becomes vital for us to identify the role of God and the role of man in each aspect of our essence. And for this purpose, we will need to remember and study a series of such questions that responded to would be able to show us how successfully we are collaborating the truth that has grown in our heart into fruits of righteousness with the mercy of God by which we would be able to judge ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith which moves us from death to life. We will try to answer these four questions. First, identifying the essence of mercy in the moral appearance of God. The purpose of God that purpose that God pursues in His mercy, the price that draws the mercy of God upon us, and the results that identify the mercy of God within our life. Today, we will study question four. We studied on Friday, uh, according to God's mercy, the first three questions and their responses. 
And so Apostle Al-Qadi has given them to us, and today we will study question four. By what sign do we judge that the mercy of God has looked down from heaven upon the truth? And so by, by what signs do we judge that the mercy of God has looked down from heaven upon the truth that we have grown in our heart? into the fruit of righteousness, by the collaboration of which we can judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith that moves us from eternal death into eternal life. And we studied six signs and will study the seventh. Let's shortly remember the first six. By the fruits of which we can determine whether we have God's mercy. First sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent will be the factor that we will be a green olive tree in the house of God. And so if you remember, David says, I am this green olive tree in your house. And how do I determine that I am an olive tree, a green olive tree? For us to be a green olive tree, it is necessary for us, according to God's mercy, to receive one green uh, leaf of, of the olive tree as Noah did by the dove. If you remember, time had passed and Noah opened up a window. It was a small little window up in the roof of the... and it was... in size, it was the same as the altar of incense. And he began to confess the word of God and he confessed it in two different formats. He first released the raven or the crow, the black crow, if you remember. And he says, Lord, I, I am agreeing with the judgment that is taking place and I am inside the ark in Jesus Christ that I die for my nation, the house of my father, and for the destructive desires of my soul, my desires. And he would release that crow and he released that crow. And then God gave the command, it's enough now release the dove so that you can receive life and resurrection. And so he released the dove. The dove flew around, didn't find rest for its feet, and returned back to the ark. He waited seven days. He let it out again. And the dove flew again, couldn't find rest for its feet. But when it came back, it did bring him a leaf of an olive tree. And then he waited seven more days, and then he released the dove again by confessing this incense and the dove never returned it the holy spirit was satisfied with our confessions and then he told him come out of the ark out of the death of the lord and he came out and god made him a cov- made a covenant with him and he gave him the rainbow which we see today we see this beautiful rainbow in the skies this is the covenant that god made with noah and so it is necessary for us to receive this olive tree uh, leaf of olive tree Jesus said by Apostle Paul, the time is near and short. The one that buys and you use this world as if you didn't. You need to die for, in your life, you need to reevaluate all things that are physical or physical or valuable. And so don't pay attention or regard this gold of Ophir and consider it as simple stones of the brooks and look upon the Lord as your true a treasure and so this green olive tree uh, leaf 
this is a reevaluation of the things that are in our life uh, that are physical. And so have we, we need to ask, have we received this green olive leaf? He brings it and you reevaluate and we, we then bear fruit and we become ourselves, this green olive tree. Second sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent will be the factor that we will be given God's help so that we can fulfill our calling. This is the great mercy of God when he shows his help. And you remember how he helped Moses. Moses was crying out to God saying, Lord, it is difficult for me to bear this nation. I can't bear it alone. Did I give birth to them? Why am I as a, a babysitter having to carry them? But the Lord said, finally, I've been waiting so long. Why is it that you are bearing this burden alone? I want to bear my nation. I want to bear them upon my wings. And he said, how do we do this? And he said, uh, appoint 70 elders and I from your spirit will give to them and they will help you do the work. And this will be my mercy for you. This will be my help. And so how can I find these 70 elders and myself, these 70 elders? Lord, I can't deal with my body. I can't deal with my soul. My sacred spirit uh, my, says, and it's difficult for me alone. And he tells the spirit, allow me to collaborate with you. And so the 70 elders is when we are in the church, which is the fullness of all. And we come here and we find rest in the words of the person who is a father of God to us. And the 70 elders are also that we begin to confess the word of God and the righteousness of God, condemning wickedness and justifying the righteous one. All of this needs to be present. 70 elders are also the fullness of sanctification that brings me to the fullness of dedication. And so we see that this is the demonstration of these things in our life, the 70 elders, it allows God to help us. Why? Because God is a servant of his own word, and we, from the position of truth, begin to confess his words. And the Lord said, I will fulfill my word. Moses, why are you not collaborating with me so I can fulfill my word? Allow me, by your confessions, to do something for my nation. And Moses understood. And so he needed to... Uh, involve God in the, in the in the work that was being done. Third sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent will be the factor that the law of God will be our delight. Our delight or our comfort in this case, this is the law of God, the word of God, information, not what I feel, not what I found, not what I've obtained, uh, something temporary on earth or that I bought something, but God's law will be our delight and our comfort. This, will, this is mercy, the mercy of God for us. Fourth sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent will be the factor that in the moment we walk in the midst of trouble, God will revive us and stretch out His hand against the wrath of our enemies. The great mercy is that we need to see this uh, enemy in our, inside of ourselves. God can't show us mercy until we acknowledge uh, this uh, enemy inside. As Paul said, who will deliver me from this mortal body? He began to confess and receive comfort from God. Apostle Paul and us needed to identify the enemy and the territories of the enemy. 
when we are born again, there is a, a division that takes place inside. The old person and new person, and the law of God needs to be satisfied. And so, for the wrath of God to be drawn upon me, I now see there are two people, the vessel of mercy, vessel of wrath, the old person, and I I call out God's wrath so that the law of God can be satisfied, so that by the law of God I can be freed from the law of sin and death, and so that Goliath, or the old person, that law that uh, he depends upon can be destroyed. The old person relied upon this law. And so he says, well, I am I am the king, you call him a righteous one, but I am the one who rules here. And God says, why are you silent? And then a person begins to proclaim that he can do everything in the Lord who, who strengthens him. And that he is justified and that this wicked person is not the true ruler and he is a criminal. And you call out God's wrath upon this old person and you show evidence that you're born from God and that you are his son and then he uh, pours out his wrath upon the old person and in this way we prove this is evidence we are his children the next sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent will be the fact that we will possess the ability to be ministers of the new covenant to be ministers of the new covenant is to have the ability with the opened uh, unveiled face to look at the glory of God Apostle Paul said sorrowfully that when people today read the Old Testament the Jews their veil continues to remain upon their heart they read the law and they don't see Christ in it why because their heart is veiled it's covered as Moses once had covered his face so that the glory would not show the hearts that also read the word of God their heart has a veil this says what that they can't pass from glory to glory or be transformed to the glory that is in the word of God so how do you unveil the face this the scripture said this is the covering that is removed from the heart by Christ how when we acknowledge God's authority over ourselves God's people that God has placed and we remove this covering in Jesus Christ and we take then this very covering put it on our head when the priest would enter the temple he needed to cover his head his heart needed to be open the covering needed to be removed from the heart and put upon his head but when a person does not acknowledge God's uh, order then his heart is covered and by reading the Old Testament he does not understand anything or comprehend anything a heart that is covered with this veil, but the head is the one that needs to be covered. Sixth sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent will be truth that has grown in our heart into the fruits of righteousness in the form of the Thummim and Urim. <clears throat> the church needs to come to perfection or be grown into perfection and needs to become this tower <clears throat> that would be able to speak to God and would be able to hear God and understand God. <clears throat> and this is when we have the Urim and Thummim when a person comes into perfection and becomes this tower. And let's today study the seventh sign of the mercy of God that is present over our tent. And this is discovering life, righteousness, and honor in the temple of our body. 
And by having these, we would be able to judge whether we have the power of brotherly love inside of us. Proverbs 21.21 He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. Considering that righteousness is a product of truth, identifying within the soil of our heart the life of God and His glory, we, in short, will remember first these four, question, uh, four questions. First, what is it and what purpose does both righteousness and truth have? What is the price for abiding in righteousness and truth? How do we keep ourselves in righteousness and truth? And what results follow from knowing righteousness and truth? Here we see pastor had committed a, a service to this subject. We studied the four components of the mercy of God and the identification of this mercy. What is the purpose of this mercy? And by what signs can we determine what price we need to pay so that that mercy that is in heaven behind the clouds of God can become our possession? And now he says specifically about the truth and righteousness that comes Righteousness that comes from truth. God's mercy needs to meet with the truth. And this can only happen when righteousness and truth have kissed. In other words, the truth that is within our heart, as we say, this is a heart that is cleansed from dead works upon the tablets of which the truth is written, the elementary teaching of Christ, this is truth in the heart. The mercy is ready to come from heaven downward to greet us. But coming down, it stops. Why? Because the truth needs to demonstrate itself in the fruits of righteousness. And when we grow the truth that is in our heart, this holiness, and we begin to reveal it, then this truth that bears or produces the righteousness of God will kiss with God's peace. It says in scripture about Abraham, not by the law was it given to Abraham or his seed to be the heir of the of the world, but to by righteous, righteousness of faith. It wasn't by the law of works, but by the righteousness of faith. And so Abraham had God's peace and God's and God's righteousness, they came together. And so when this happens, then the truth that is in my heart it comes and greets with God's greets God's mercy. That's very important. First question: What? Let's look at this: uh, truth and righteousness. Truth from which comes righteousness. Let's focus upon this today. First question: What or who is righteousness and truth in its essence, as well as its definition, and what purpose is righteousness and truth called to fulfill? Let us immediately identify these two terms, the words truth and the words righteousness, and not perceive them to be the same thing, although they are similar one to the other, since truth reflects itself in righteousness, as a son reflects himself in his son, and as the seed reflects itself in the fruit. We can conclude that truth identifies the state of our heart, the soil of which is cleansed from dead works, and in which the truth is sown in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ. 
At the same time, righteousness, demonstrating itself in justice, is the seed of truth that has grown into the fruits of righteousness. According to this, justice or righteousness is truth in action, or the result of what truth produces. And so, righteousness is truth in action. This is the son by which you can determine or say how his father is, can determine how his father is. In the book of David, it repeatedly states that he ruled over all Israel and performed judgment and justice, 2 Samuel 8.15. So David reigned over all Israel and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. And of course, it's talking about the rule, ruling over your soul, your emotions, your mind, the the rule of our renewed mind over our emotions and our body and this state can be obtained this this state would be able to be obtained in his genetic inheritance David was able to obtain in, in his genetic inheritance that he was able to only inherit by the line of Abraham whom God made a father of all who believe being in circumcision as well as in not circumcision because the truth art of justice is able to exclusively come from the heart of a man therefore the way the heart will be that is how the art or performance will be mark 7 21 through 23 jesus says for from within out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts adulteries fornications murders thefts covetousness wickedness deceit lewdness an evil eye blasphemy pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile a man he also says in Matthew 12:34, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. <clears throat> A fascinating detail and similar words Jesus repeatedly stated to the elite and experts of the law, <clears throat> which were the religious elite of the congregation of Israel, stating with his words that they are not men born from the truth. Their heart did not have the truth and consequently are not able to understand the words of Christ, such people, but will resist the words of Christ and perceive his words as personal offenses against them. John 8, 38 through 44. <clears throat> I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to them, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. According to this place, we can see that if a person is not born from the truth, he is not able to perform righteousness. And therefore, all of his so-called good works 
will not be done in God and will not be for God. And everything that is not in God or for God is, according to scripture, evil and as a counterfeit to truth. And as we talk about being born from truth, we can conclude that truth is, first of all, a personified in God and is one of the titles and God's names, Jeremiah 10.10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. John 14.6 Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And also 1 John 5.6 This is He who comes by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Here we're talking about the fact that we're born from this blood, that we are... He did not just come with water, He came also with His personal blood and with the Holy Spirit that would be able to uh, make this blood work within us. From this and other places of Scripture, we can see that truth is not just a title and name of God, but also the nature of God. And so people that are also born from God will have within their spirit a similar state because they are born from God. A person being born from God and he already needs to have this state, this atmosphere in himself from which he will be able to produce fruits of righteousness. And only after when we, being born from God, will be able to possess within our spirit the state of truth, this state will need to be then expanded to the soul and the body. Because without a foreseeing of evidence that we are within truth and righteousness, none of our prayers will be able to be heard because God will not have the legitimate grounds He needs to overcome our old nature and standing behind our nature, the supporting it, personified sin and personified death. The word righteousness is justice, uprightness, something that is... Uh, sturdy and that is not changing and also the word righteousness is something that is a work that continues something that battles something that resists everything that is unrighteous and that is impure and that is defiled within man revelations 22 11 he who is unjust let him be unjust still he who is filthy let him be filthy still he who is righteous let him be righteous still he who is holy let him be holy still therefore to be righteous means to be justified by god to allow you to regain your rights to be well grounded in god to be just or fair in god to be prepared for battle to be direct to be straight to be correct to be well established in god to stand immovable to be recognized by God, faithful and reliable. According to this very well-described definition, according to Scripture, righteousness is one of the identifications, God's title and His name, and it identifies His nature and the kingdom of God that's inside of us. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because in Scripture, the word righteousness or righteous 
has these qualities when it comes to God as holy, just, upright, wise, legal, faithful, constant, truthful, reliable, firm, gentle, or meek, good, immovable, honorable, merciful, long-suffering, ample in love, and generous. It is by the means of such righteousness that is grown by a person in the Eden of his heart from the seed of truth, God can first regulate and form a relationship with the righteous person. Second, he could perform judgment where the upright is justified and the wicked is accused. Third, he can demonstrate mercy upon vessels of mercy and removes its wrath from them. Fourth, rewards the righteous with good and gives him eternal life. <clears throat> Fifth, by his righteousness, God gives his nation his wisdom. Sixth, God by <clears throat> righteousness, by the means of wisdom, which is demonstrated in fulfilling the commandments, subjugates the strength of the uncrucified nature of the soul. <clears throat> it is by the means of righteousness God has given us the governance of grace to eternal life. And so that is the amazing definition of the truth and righteousness of God and the atmosphere we need to form in our heart. And so, imagine if a person is not cleansed from dead works, if a person does not have truth in his heart in the form of the teaching of Jesus Christ, will he be able to have these qualities in himself? To be born from God, it's not just to say, I believe in the Lord and, and make the figure of the cross it is necessary to be born from the truth. God does not determine being born from God <clears throat> by the color of your skin. As if uh, if you're of lighter skin, that you're Christian, that you're of uh, a yellower skin, that you're of, uh, a Buddhist or a different kind of religion. That's not how he identifies people. Being born again is having truth within yourself. Jesus very, very easily identified who these were because they told him the disciples left you and he said, that's a good thing. These are the ones that remain. Because he was looking at how they would regard his truth. He preached the truth and those 70 that left, they were they stumbled on the truth and they resisted the truth. And so how we regard the truth and the person who speaks this truth speaks of us being born again or born from, from the truth, from God. That was the first question. We needed to identify uh, the truth and righteousness. Second question, what is the price for abiding in righteousness and truth? What is the, uh, again, the price for abiding in righteousness and truth? First component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is to accept the delegated authority of God in the form of a delegated righteous man. Isaiah 24, 16, from the ends of the earth we have heard songs, glory to the righteous. If the earth was flat, then the understanding of the edge of, edge of the earth would, would be able to be literally uh, taken, as it were, but as it is round, <clears throat> we see here that the 
edge of the earth is the shadow of the Almighty, covering of the Almighty, wings of the Almighty, the boundaries of the Almighty, identified by His word in the body of a man. And so if we have concealed the truth into our heart about the redemption of our body, this means that we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. And so in our body, we need to have the song where it says glory to the righteous from the ends of the earth, as it says. And so the ends of the earth is that our earth needs to have boundaries. We need to place ourselves, our body, our soul, our spirit <coughs> within the specific boundaries of truth, the ends of the earth, edges of the earth. And this is, as we can see, the shadow of the Almighty, covering of the Almighty, wings of the Almighty, the boundaries of the Almighty, and being within these boundaries, we can grow the, the promises in our heart. And this happens when we acknowledge God's a, a delegated person. When we say glory to the righteous God, we need to also acknowledge the person whom God has placed who would be able to pass on to us these boundaries, <clears throat> these edges of the earth, where our spirit, soul, and body are. Second component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is apprehending the truth about redemption. Job 19.25-26 For I know that my Redeemer lives. <clears throat> he didn't say, I feel or I, I suspect. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on, on the earth and after my skin is destroyed. This I know that in my flesh I will see God. To be confident in your work is to collaborate with God in knowing the truth about redemption. Redemption, he, we see here two places of scripture so that we can state in our life when we have trials that come upon us, we can state in our life that we know according to scripture that my Redeemer lives. I know. First place here we see John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to these Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And second place, Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so when I say I know that my Redeemer lives, I say two sacred things. First, that I am justified freely by grace. I'm justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I proclaim these things not to become righteous, but I, that I, because I'm already righteous. I'm justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And also, I will abide in His Word, and His Word will make me free. This is what it means, My, I know that my Redeemer lives, because He justified me, and according to His word that I comprehend, that I put into my heart, that I'm growing in my heart, God will heal me. If we know the truth that is concealed in our heart, in the redemption of our body, then we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. Although we're talking about God's mercy that will greet with truth and righteousness, and so brotherly love cannot be in us without these uh, components. 
that draws God's mercy upon us. God gives us His mercy, and having this mercy, and being a vessel of mercy, you can then demonstrate brotherly love. Third component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is the ability to forgive offenses by sunset. This is what needs to be circumcised in our hearts, sisters and brothers. Our heart needs to be circumcised. And you may say, well, the first sin is pride. Well, no. Pride or arrogance. And so you look at yourself, look at those around you, and you say, I have more. And I was not... uh, I was not uh, judged properly or I was not acknowledged for everything that I am. And the person becomes upset. And so I can boast about many things. As you remember, Apostle Paul said, I could boast about many things, but he considered it as nothing, as rubbish, if you remember he wrote. Because he was from the line of Benjamin, he was... uh, taught at the feet of a, of a Pharisee, if you remember. Lucifer also forgot that God had given the rewards that he had gotten. He wanted acknowledgement. And so uh, people consider then they get upset because they're not either acknowledged for everything that they think that they have. This is where circumcision of the heart is necessary. Deuteronomy 24, 10 through 13. When you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring you the pledge out to you. The first condition, the second, if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again, when the sun goes down, or as in the original, before the setting of the sun, then he may sleep in his own garment and bless you, and it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. And so if we have the ability to forgive the one, our neighbor who has offended us before the setting of the sun, we have within our faith brotherly love. And here we see two types of people. First, he has, uh, we either didn't agree on something with somebody and, and they are offended. And don't, and it says, don't go to his house and say, well, I, I, I gave you this expensive thing, so give me this instead. But he sa- it says, don't do this. He will bring out to you what he has taken from you. And so if we don't agree with our if we don't agree with our spouses on something or, or our brothers, we don't need to go into that, their house. That is, don't violate their rights or their boundaries. Uh, respect their boundaries and wait for them to come out. Uh, that means go into your own room, close your door, and pray and say, Lord, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. And if my son or my, or my father, or my wife or some or my husband is wrong, then let them know. I don't want to violate the boundaries of your person. And God will show 
you or them, whether, which one was wrong or right. And the other, if they were wrong, they are the ones that will come out and ask for forgiveness. And so we can't do it or forcefully try to get things out of uh, someone else. Let them come to them to themselves. And if a person is poor, that means he has the poverty of Christ inside of him. Then this is one where you don't even need to wait or expect anything from. This person is a servant of God. He has the poverty of Christ. And you immediately need to return to him before the setting of the sun, his garments, so that he can bless you. This is one who is poor in spirit. And so we need to be very careful. When we hear the words uh, that are spoken by God's delegated messenger, and they may, uh, we may feel offended by a word that was spoken, but we need to uh, check ourselves inside of ourselves what's going on. And so not having any suspicion, uh, uh, not against God or his delegated one or the church itself. And nothing needs to be a stumbling stone to us. And, for, and so before the setting of the sun, Uh, because then you hear people say such things as there's some there's some kind of uh, mockery going on in my mind against their saints of God or or and so there these uh, foolish things that happen inside sometimes of the mind and so it's good that this person will come and actually repent for the things that that uh, a person has allowed to happen. Fourth component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is a complete separation from Babylon. Isaiah 48:20. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing, declare, proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth, say, the Lord has redeemed his servant, Jacob. And so if we are able to completely separate the truth that is within our heart and the ideas of our intellect we have within our faith, the power of brotherly love. We need to uh, depart from Babylon. I refuse to mix the truth of God that's in my heart with the ideas of my intellect. And so in this way I tell my soul to the ends of the earth, to the edges of the earth or the ends of the earth. Uh, And so if I'm in Jerusalem, then I need to condemn this Babylon inside so that the truth of God would not be mixed with the ideas of the intellect or or interpretations of the intellect. And so people that are in Babylon, in churches that are democratic, have these democratic structures that are Babylons, they also need to make these decisions and choices to come out of Babylon. But it is those, of course, that have heard the truth and received it. Fifth component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is the need to believe God or obey your faith to the faith of God. Galatians 3.6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. If we are able to obey the words of the delegated authority of God so that we can proclaim the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent, we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. We are obedient to God's faith this way. And Abraham became righteous before circumcision, not after. And this, of course, offends Jews. 
And so what, Abraham now can be the father then of Gentiles also that are uncircumcised? Then yes, he is the father of many nations because when he was not yet circumcised, when he did not yet have children that God had told him he would have, he was still being uncircumcised. <clears throat> God gave him promises and he believed in them and became began to proclaim the not existence as existent and began to call him righteous. He counted it to him as righteousness. And so to confirm then what he has given to him, he gave it to him to have in the future. And so we need to, we being Gentiles need to understand that or our father is <clears throat> Abraham. And Abraham received his righteousness out of circumcision, but uh, contained it or continued to keep it in his circumcision. Circumcision is is important, but it's not circumcision that makes us children of Abraham. The circumcision uh, establishes or confirms that, uh, that we are righteous as those that are part of God's nation. And seventh component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth or sixth component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is to prepare yourself for a relationship with God as you would your spouse. Revelations 19, 7, 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. It's not just the pure linen, but but bright. <clears throat> this is when a person, when we hear <clears throat> from our pastor, he a person is clothed into garments of salvation, <clears throat> A complete salvation and then he's clothed into the garments of the bride and then the groom and then becomes a representative of Yahweh of hosts this is one that's clean and bright that begins to shine with its holiness and seventh component of the price for abiding in righteousness and truth is accepting the good news of Christ Romans 117 <clears throat> for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. <clears throat> and so if we, by receiving the preached word, <clears throat> grow in our faith, we, in our faith, demonstrate brotherly love. To grow in faith is to pa- go from faith to faith. This is, does, this is not talking about from Catholic to a Baptist or to Baptist to a, a charismatic a service or whatever. That's not what that means. This means that to pass from faith to faith is is to grow in the faith and bear fruits of righteousness. Third question, in what way are we called to keep ourselves within the boundaries of righteousness that consists of truth that is concealed in our heart? How do you keep yourself? In military, there is a specific a requirement or a saying that they also have to overcome the greatness of the enemy is difficult but it is much more difficult to keep yourself 
within the battle itself and get yourself to a new height within within the battle itself into a new area is more difficult and so to identify uh, first, the first component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and truth is to walk with God. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his, in his generation. Noah walked with God, Gen- Genesis 6, 9. Keeping, uh, walking before God is to die for your, in the, in the Lord Jesus from the dependence of your nation, the house of your father, and for your life in the flesh so that you can depend on the word that is concealed in our heart. Second component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and, and truth is when suffering for the truth, do not threaten but give the case to God as the righteous judge. First Peter 2.23 Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. This is Jesus. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. <clears throat> if we possess a gentle heart, demonstrated in a gentle tongue, then we have within our faith the power of brotherly love, the ability to not threaten people that threaten us, but allow God to uh, judge your case. <clears throat> and so in this way, you acknowledge that it is not I who am God, but God is God. And when we talk about judge, judge, Uh, we need to not ever take another holy or uh, person or another saint to court. Uh, this is forbidden to take a brother or sister to court. The lawless is different. And if you don't want to uh, spend the money uh, to, to go to court against a lawless but then you can uh, pray and and so if you remember as pastor has said more once more than once before that uh, people who cursed pastor he would tell them pastor would tell them I'm a holy person and those who curse me will be cursed those who bless me will be blessed so take your words back and it's rare that people would take their words back there were those that would say well forgive me but more would end uh, in, a, in, in very unfortunate ways because of the things they were doing. Third component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and truth is to never try to justify yourself and never demand anything from God, but only beg Him. Job 9, 14, 15. How then can I answer Him and choose my words to reason with Him? For though I were righteous, I could not answer Him. I would beg mercy of my judge. Job 9, 14, 15. Again, I will not justify myself. I will beg of my Lord. God doesn't want us to justify ourselves because we are in need of mercy. We're talking about how to obtain mercy. Never justify yourself before God or God's anointed one. Saying, well, I'm not that bad of a person. No, if they called me for some kind of work, then I will try to find with God's anointed person uh, where there's a problem and where I need to fix something or, or, or change something or get rid of something inside of me. Uh, 
And so you don't come and say, well, you know that I'm, 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 I'm not that bad, and, and people start saying things uh, because people come in conflict with one another and problems arise, and so sometimes they need to be figured out. And the fourth component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and truth is to accept circumcision as a seal of righteousness for the righteousness we received before circumcision. Romans 4.11 And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they were uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. If we have circumcised our heart for the Lord, and we have broken our spirit so that we can exam- uh, test within our spirit the resurrection of Christ, we have within our faith the power of brotherly love, but breaking of the spirit, when we're talking about this, this is talking about the circumcision of our heart. And God leads everything through death. People say, well, why do I need to break the spirit? Because he receives everything, he receives it upon the altar, and everything upon the altar dies. We offer our, our body a living sacrifice to God. We offer our souls upon the altar and die in the death of the Lord for our nation, house of our Father, and our destructive desires. And the seal uh, where the Lord has known his own, this is God's holiness, he'll put the seal upon you. Your spirit needs to be broken. Uh, It needs to be led through death, and resurrection needs to take place. Life that has not become resurrection is not so. Fifth component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and truth is to regard the life of your animal, which implies the life of your soul. A, uh, Proverbs 12:10. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. And so, if we have taken upon ourselves the responsibility to save our soul, then we here are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. And so to save our souls, to die in the Lord Jesus Christ, to separate it. Uh, and when it rises in Jesus Christ, then our soul that we he paid a price for, it is in Jesus Christ. And when it dies in the death of the Lord, and then it rises, is resurrected. Because the, the old man, he is not in need of the blood of Jesus Christ. It hates it. And so... The old, old old man, he will not then, when the soul rises again, the old man will not because he is never, he's not in the truth. He will die together with the soul at that time. And so our old person also, he experiences all the pains that Christ experienced upon the Golgotha cross. Our soul does not experience it, but the old man does. The old man is afraid of this process. The old man knows it will overcome all of the the entire wrath and anger of God that uh, is is waiting for him. He doesn't want. He will serve together with you. He will try to evangelize with you. He will try to conceal himself so you don't see him. He'll do all kinds of things. But the righteous, <clears throat> he cares for the life of his soul. 
sixth component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and truth is to watch and take heed of your being built or formed into the image of God. 1 Corinthians 3.10 According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. If we pay an everyday price for the right and power to be vessels of honor, we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. But if we are trying to be vessels uh, for lower purposes, then these will not be in honor and they will not have the power of brotherly love. And seventh component of the price for keeping yourself in righteousness and truth is to find yourself in God or place yourself into Christ, not with your own righteousness that is from the law, but with the one that is by fr- by faith in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. If we don't rely upon our own righteousness, but are striving to find ourselves in Christ, in his righteousness, then we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. And so, fourth question, the concluding question. By what results are we able to determine that we are within the territory boundaries of righteousness and truth? Results are components of the fruit of righteousness, by which we need to determine that we are truly possessing the nature that corresponds to the nature of God and not its counterfeit. First result that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is the ability to rise against any weapon and any tongue that is directed against us. Isaiah 54, 17 No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. If we have the ability not to stumble in our justification and arguments with every tongue that accuses us, then we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. We can, and so we can, uh, for example, uh, we can. conflict with uh, the one that accuses us, which is the accuser of the earth. They overcame, they, if you remember, they over, overcame the accuser by the word of testimony and did not love their lives to the death. The blood and confession. And so this gives us the right to uh, <clears throat> come in judgment against the accuser. But we don't have the habit of quarreling in the church. If someone wants to quarrel, then we don't have this habit, not in the church of God. We don't do this kind of thing. We don't quarrel or or try to prove the truth. We try to demonstrate it in our life by as light. And when but when we are in judgment, that's different. We come before the Lord in prayer and the devil begins to accuse us. That's when you begin to uh Thank God for His blood and proclaim the non-existent as existent and release this black uh, crow, judgment for the soul. 
Second result that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is to be known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Job 2.3 Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him, to destroy him without without cause. We see that God always boasts before Satan about those saints that uh, depart from evil and continue to stay steadfast within their uprightness. If we like Job, when we lose possessions of the earth, even our health, and remain upright, just, and God-fearing and departing from evil, we continue to show confidence within our uprightness than we have within our faith, the power of brotherly love. We see the reason why the devil accuses us. Because God is boasting about you, and he can't overcome this. He he can't allow that someone else be boasted about. I see sometimes how physically people do these kinds of things where a person is literally belittled uh, by beginning to boast about other people and sometimes when one is boasted about this person begins to be another person will become very angry or offended and all of this stuff just indicates what's inside third result that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is the ability to depart from evil Proverbs 14.16, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. If we have an absence of irritation and self-confidence upon our own experience and the abilities of our intellect, then this means that we have the fear of the Lord, and we are distancing ourselves from evil, which upon practice means we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. To fear God and to depart from evil, to not be self-confident and and irritated. Fourth result that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is the ability to listen and obey the instruction of his father or our father. Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. If we differentiate the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the person that is clothed into the fatherhood of God, and we follow his voice, then we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. And here we need to understand that not just listening to the Father, but ready to be corrected by the Father of need, because the wise hears the uh, instruction of the Father, they're also sometimes in the form of correction. And if a person is rebellious, then the scriptures say he does not have those same results by which he would be able to keep himself within the boundaries of truth and righteousness. Fifth result that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is the ability to withhold your anger. Proverbs 29.11 A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. If we are, if we are able to withhold uh, withhold ourselves uh, from anger, 
or the justice of our anger. And so if we don't have the ability to, again, withhold the just, uh, just wrath that's inside of us, if we're able to, then we have the power of brotherly love. If we don't, we don't have the power of brotherly love. Sixth result that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is the ability to find the way that leads from death to life. Proverbs 11.19 As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. If we are able to demonstrate righteousness, the righteousness of God, when it comes to one another, we have within our faith the power of brotherly love. And seventh result, that we are within the boundaries of righteousness and truth is to have the morning star within our spirit, <clears throat> which is testimony of righteousness. <clears throat> Revelations 2, 26 through 28. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. If we have accepted the promise which belongs to the door of our hope and keep it proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of incorruption within our mortal body as existent, then this means that we have the power of brotherly love in our faith. And we determine this uh, by tending our we see within ourselves, our Gentiles, our emotions, our desires, our lusts, uh, and the scriptures say, I will not give one who, the morning star, one who is not able to uh, take control of all of these. Right now, the Lord calls us to prayer, and in this prayer, we will be able to be delivered from all of these fears, this uh, feeling that you're not uh, you're not sufficient, you're not wholesome. Uh, when you have fears and other things, we will pray right now. We will pray your prayer because when the saints come out here, I always connect myself to these saints, always. I connect to them because I am also, uh, I also have uh, weaknesses and desires and other things that you do. And so when we pray this prayer, I pray together with the anointed one. This is my prayer together with the rest. And so we pray, we wait here for you at the altar. May you be blessed.
I will be praying together with you our prayer. And I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given us his body and his redemption. The righteous will fall seven times or rise again. Right now we stand before God. He has He stands between us and all of our enemies, between us and our sins and our lusts, to be able to lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with an opened heart. You see my wounds that is inflicted by sin and lust that I hate. I come to you with illnesses, with fear, with dishonor, and I ask you to forgive me, to wash me, to cleanse me, to forgive me, to justify me. And in accordance to your words, I want to proclaim right now before heaven and hell that I am healed, I am cleansed, I am washed, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen, amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May with noise from your body the old man be thrown out. And may upon his place the stronghold of the resurrection of Christ be. May this be upon you and upon your descendants, and the nation shall say, Amen. (coughs) This is a great privilege to pray this prayer at the altar of God together with the saints. And let us together proclaim our manifestation that we proclaim for many years now. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.